This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Tech Tuesday. Listen, and we're doing a deep one today, hey? Yeah, yeah, we yeah, are. We're doing a very deep one. Okay, so evolution in biology happens over many generations. However, consider the possibility that it could be accelerated beyond Darwin's planned gradual transformation to a matter of personal experience. Dreams of such things are associated with so-called transhumanists, diverse people who now associate transhumanism with diverse things, be it a belief, a cultural movement, uh, an academic subject, or even science fiction. Although transhumanism isn't necessarily a field of study, you can subscribe to it, make investments in it, study its proponents, and even follow its principles. Transhumanism is the uh, philosophical and scientific movement that advocates for the use of current and emerging technologies, things like genetic engineering, cryonics, uh, artificial intelligence, and even nanotherapy to augment human capabilities and improve the human condition. Transhumanists envision a future in which the responsible application of such technologies enables humans to slow, reverse, or even eliminate the aging process to achieve corresponding increasing in human lifespans and to enhance human cognitive and sensory capacities. The movement proposes that humans with augmented capabilities will evolve into an enhanced species that transcends humanity or the post-human. I told you we're going for a deep dive here. <laughs> we Mudiwa, definitely are. Gavaza, our tech expert and business writer, joins us in studio and I'd love to hear from you as well on 0861987000. How are you doing, Medua? I love good, well, and thriving. How are you, partner? Fantastic. Transhuman, transhuman. Uh, so <laughs> let's delve into it. I mean, in, in, in your view, uh, where are we in terms of what transhumanism is? How uh, long has this been on the cards and evolving? And perhaps what transhumanism is? Okay, cool. So I think um, you know, in your in your intro there, you brought out a number of different areas, mm. but obviously the main ones are the technology, uh, the science, and the philosophy behind it. I would actually argue that if you look at the core of what we're trying to do, right, which is to basically improve the human condition, right, because there's still a lot of limitations that come with being human, whether it's sickness, whether it's aging, you know, whether it's the the threat of death, all Mm. of these things are existential crises that human beings have been dealing with time immemorial. Mm. And because of that, I would actually argue that um, we we are calling it transhumanism now simply because, you know, someone has decided to go and package this thing. Yeah. Uh, but if you think about it, in essence, we've been, you know, looking uh, at ways on how to survive better uh, as a species, you know, for millennia. Right. Um, right now, there are a couple of stats that are very interesting. For example, the fact that we all know that the life expectancy of a normal human being has, you know, doubled in many parts of the world, if not tripled, you know, depending on where you are. In some cases, if you made it to 30, 
as a human male, you you were doing the most, sure, right? Sure. But nowadays, we are often hearing people that are you know uh, that are dying at the age of a hundred, and that's the advancement of technology. That's the advancements of science. So I'd actually argue that we've been at this. It's just that now we find ourselves at an interesting intersection you know, of different things. On the biology side, medicine has gone a long way, you know, to improve us. Uh, on the technology side, we've uh, uh, we've done a lot in terms of uh, the advancements in, you know, systems, AI, machine learning, that type of thing. And then on the, on the philosophical, and I'm going to call it kind of moral side, we are, we've conditioned ourselves more and more to rely on technology, so the implanting of technology, mm. you know, then becomes, um, if this was 100 years ago, you'd be like, no. But today, in a world where you're literally carrying technology with you, um, you know, with these devices called smartphones, it just seems like the natural evolution to say, okay, okay, fine. You've been carrying this thing. And this carrying of a, of a computer in your pocket, that's a last decades thing. You used to have a computer at your home. Oh, yes. Right. Before that, you used to have a computer at work. Mm. Before that, uh, it was just the few that mm. even had access to computing. And now it's like, okay, what is the next evo- What is the next evolution of that? We get rid of the smartphone. What's next? Some people talk, you know, VR. Mm-hmm. All of these things are leading us to even a VR has yeah. evolved into those uh, Google Glass and yes. and things of that nature. Yeah. It's interesting because if we take a few steps back. Um, hearing aids, spectacles, Mm. having a titanium leg. You know, these were all part of merging man and machine, so to speak. And so, of course, as technology advances, there'll be advanced ways that technology can advance humanity. So it's interesting. Can we talk a little bit about um, the evolution um, uh, of of the technology that has come and how it's currently impacting human life? So I'd say right now, one of the big things that's happening in this space is, uh, well, Elon Musk, for all his faults, you know, in life, um, he does a lot of things and he has a company called Neuralink. Right now, Neuralink is trying to put a computer, you know, to embed a computer into the human brain. Right. I just bring up Neuralink simply because from a profile point of view, it's the most high profile example. Um, A lot of people have been trying, you know, to do this. Mm. And I would say what's key here is not necessarily the fact that they're trying to improve implant a computer in the brain Mm. what's key here is the fact that they've reached a stage where they've got technology that can recognize impulses from the brain and transmit that to the machine the connection like of your brain to the machine for me that's the biggest uh, what you call this advancement so what do you mean that somebody would maybe not have use of their limbs for example And through these neurotransmitters or whatever the patches are called that you put on your brain, (laughs) connected to a computer, you're then able to maybe move robotics or implant things, code into a computer, that kind of thing. Exactly. I think to, without getting too woozy. No, do get all the way woozy. (laughs) We love it here. This is, this is the, this is probably the closest that anyone has scientifically gotten us to a point where we're actually 
um, saying, can we do, can we do something telepathically? Mm. Right. Because that's literally what we're talking about. The fact that someone, um, you know, without the use of, uh, you know, uh, normal use, normal motor yes. uh, skills, you know, hands, arms, uh, that type of thing. Mm. Think of people that have, um, you know, ALS, you know, those types of uh, those types of diseases being able to control the two use cases uh, that they're trying to use right now yes. is simply to be able, um, you know, to navigate a smartphone and uh, to navigate on a computer, right? Just by thinking about it. So a person doesn't touch um, anything on the screen. They don't touch a keyboard, nothing like that. They just literally sit, they think of moving a cursor from left to right on mm. the screen and the cursor moves from left to right on the screen and that's you know where we are right now we're trying to we're trying to prove that we've proved it you know with a couple of human uh animal trials sure but now the next stage is you know let's get the human being to do that and that's why i said this is the closest to telepathy you know that uh, that we that we've probably gotten to we're literally just sitting and thinking and then something something happens and if you can prove that then you can then move above that robotics things like that because ultimately you're trying to get yourself because a lot of uh, science people are dealing with, let's say, um, you know, replacement limbs, mm -hmm. right? Um, you think about uh, an Oscar Pistorius and, you know, what he was able to do, um, you know, uh, despite the fact that he didn't have, you know, use of his legs, right? But now, if you are able to then have, let's say, a robotic arm, yes, right? One of the biggest issues over the years has always been, how do you translate... Because when you move your arms, you don't think about it. It yes. just happens. Yeah. How do you do that for something that is robotic? Right. People have been figuring it out. But stuff like this takes us even closer to that. Because if you can just think about moving something, then it means you can move a robotic limb. You can move um, anything else that is implanted on you. So we're getting closer and closer to that cyborg uh, stage I if mean, it's proven to me that sounds very exciting <laughs> yeah to many that may sound like a horror film in the making yeah talk to me about ethics morals and potential pitfalls funny enough i was consuming a piece of content the other day where a priest who's a lecturer was you know grappling with this what mm. does well, what does christianity you know say about this um and on a moral point of view you have people that are arguing to say that you because a lot of faiths you know and that's where morality is based in a lot of faiths um condition themselves around the idea of eternal life after death that after we leave this earth you know, we transcend, you know, into the ether and then we have, you know, eternal life. But a lot of people who don't subscribe to that are more concerned with how do I implant my consciousness into something tangible, a machine, so that I'm not, you know, hoping that if I die, I will have this eternal life. Can I just guarantee that my eternal life, you know, happens um, yeah, so you've got that the the moral questions mm. there. Ethics is a, ethics is a tough one 
Um, and I would say there's a couple of points on ethics. The two biggest ones is nowadays we've reached the stage where we talk about the Internet of Things. Yeah. Internet of Things, connected devices, cars, vehicles. People have smart fridges, all of this stuff, right? If this technology works the way that Elon and others are hoping, then the human being part it becomes part of this Internet of Things equation, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Imagine being hacked. Yeah. Right? Yeah. For me, that's one of my biggest fears, yeah. simply to say, people talk about air gapping, right? Which is basically um, having systems that work without having to be connected to the internet, right? But for systems like this, we're likely going to have options where things can be connected either to a central network, either to the internet or something that Give can help you. Give me an example you. of air gapping. So air gapping is basically, I'm trying to think. Because mm. most of our technology yeah. relies on connectivity. Exactly. So air gapping would be, for example, let's say, because a lot of the time people use this in secret services and government and stuff like that. So you've got you've got a flash with sensitive information right and you know that um the risk is if you connect it to let's say one of the machines there's a hacker somewhere who's just waiting for you to connect that thing as soon as it's connected they get an alert and they're now in your system mm. right so air gapping is basically taking a machine offline switch off the wi-fi switch off disconnect everything and then you know uh deal with those machines it's actually one of the reasons why certain technologies persist to these days um banking is, is a good one mm. a lot of banking systems nowadays are old old systems from the 80s and 90s and it's because a lot of those systems either can't be hacked or are not connected in a way okay. you know that uh, so a lot so some people argue to say those things are still safer right than new technology that relies on cloud you know let's send this information to amazon and microsoft sure. all the time so yeah. so it's very interesting should we be able to have that technology in the in the the the, the consciousness um downloaded yeah. technology i mean i think we're going to be open to wanting to connect it to the internet that's, exactly that's one of almost not a primary reason but that'll be a very big draw card to being able to have that kind of technology exactly and one of the things that i will because we are really in the weeds today yes I want you to think about the smartphone, for example, and what social media is, right? Because in essence, if you were to look at it at its core, mm. social media at the moment, given the state of our, the state of consumer technology, mm. is our version of plugging ourselves into a common consciousness. Big time. Right? Imagine the, the, the statistics around Meta, you know, which owns Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. 2.5 billion users around the world, right? That are all plugged into this system, right? It seems abstract because the computer isn't inside you. But from a consciousness point of view, that's why I said we're getting very philosophical here. From a consciousness point of view, we've become aware of each other in a way that we were never aware of before. Yeah. So in essence, we've plugged our lives, our experiences, whether you're talking stories, posts, videos, 
our daily experiences, all of that stuff has been plugged into this mainframe. If you're going to believe in the matrix, all of that stuff, that's something else. But we are all uploading our lives, you know, to this system. So I would see a future where if we are implanting computers in our brains, then yes, like you said, um, the attraction becomes that connectedness between us. I mean, if you think about what algorithms do yeah. on social media, yeah. where even with the technology that sometimes I'm having a conversation and then I'll open my TikTok and the first three TikToks will be about what I had that conversation <laughs> about. Yeah. All of those elements I, I can very much see in the future just being in our minds. I'm thinking of young people playing video games. Yeah. In the same room, not looking at each other, but they're playing with each other inside the metaverse. Yeah. I mean, imagine if we could just all just sit here and think <laughs> and the conversation continues, you know? <laughs> yeah. The, y- there was a show called Beyond 2000 mm. and they had some interesting stuff, some of which has come to pass. Yeah. Some of which I think at that point, I think it was the late 80s, early 90s, we were mm. like, that will never mm. happen. And here we are. So many are thinking, okay, those types of technologies may never happen. But we're on our way there, aren't we? No, we're definitely on our way there. Um, And the other thing to consider is the fact that we are conditioned. And that's why I said we've conditioned ourselves to get to this point, right? Mm. Because whether a couple of years ago, Mark Zuckerberg and team took a big bet on the metaverse. You put on a headset. Now you're transplanting your consciousness into this metaverse and that's where you're, you know, that's where you're operating. Now we're saying, okay, fine, a different version of the same thing is let's put computers in each other and let's communicate without even, you know, opening our mouths. We could be having a whole thing here. Plus being able to talk to each other, accessing all the world's information all at the same time because we're connected, right? I love that. Why am I not more scared of this, Owen? Why am I not more (laughs) suspicious of this? Mm. I don't know. I think technology has two sides to it, where where it has such incredible expansion, education, connection. Mm. I mean, I have siblings who live in a completely different time zone and to be able to connect with each other, uh, press a button. I mean, I suppose we have that with FaceTime, but, mm. you know, in a in a more uh, enhanced way would be so fascinating. Um, and yet uh, these questions do arise about it being hacked. So talk to me about potentially what could happen if you were hacked. I think that's where the biggest... Um threat comes in yeah um because you know for example if we're to if we're to sit and examine the base case that's being proposed right now which is around um you know let's say helping people with disability right you are helping people that don't have motor skills you know being able to um interact you know more normally with uh, with the world mm. right you have a system like this um let's say it's connected Things are advanced, right? One of the things I always tell people is whatever you're seeing now, think about the fact that that's the worst it's ever going to be, right? It's the worst yeah. it's it, ever going to be. Yes. Because so, it will be way better, developed yeah. and yeah. improved. Yeah. Hmm. So ChatGPT uh, at the end of 2022 is now something completely different 
in what it can do today at the beginning of 2024. Mm. Whatever amazed us at the end of 2022, we've far surpassed you know, any of that by now. And in the same way, when it comes to the transhumanism uh, debate, right mm. now we're thinking about just um, the, tele- the telepathy of just being able to control devices. Who, what else will we be able to do? Because it's a short hop, skip and jump to being able to control your TV, right? What is driving, right? And it's interesting you say that when we were talking about people who may not be able to function uh, uh, by way of moving their limbs. Mm. That's the first thing I thought mm. that, you know, since technology is advancing so much in vehicles, um, self-driving yeah. and, and computing. I mean, of course, then you'd give such freedom to somebody who's perhaps wheelchair bound yeah. to be able to hop into a car and and maneuver it. Yeah, and get wherever they need to go without necessarily having the same motor function that someone else would have. But to come back to your your question, mm. it's okay. You get this that power into into the hands of a bad actor. Yes, right. You're speeding down the highway and someone tells you that if you don't pay me X amount of money in the next 30 seconds, I'm going to crash you. That was a movie. Wasn't that that movie? <laughs> it was called Speed with Sandra Bullock. Oh, yeah. Way that, back in the yes, day. Yes, way back in the day. So, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course, they take control of the technology. Yeah. And ask for a ransom. Exactly. And right now I'm thinking about the car itself. But if your body now becomes part of the Internet of Things, part of this connected world, right? It's very possible. The cybersecurity guys, you know, uh, I'm willing to learn, you know, someone can prove me wrong. But I'm just trying to put myself in in the mind of a hacker, the mind of cyber criminals to say someone, if someone hacks your body, they could literally paralyze you now. And, and because everything is happening online, they will be, they'll be typing and talking to you. Downloading messages, downloading messages into your mind. Hyper B, we have control of your, we Mm. have control of your body. You know, if you don't approve, you know, X, Y, Z payment into X, Y, Z account, all things that you can do with your brain, by the way, because you're now... Of course. Yeah, of you're course. now... We will give you back your, what you call this, control of your body. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of security layers that people are going to try and put inside of this. But if history has taught us anything, those that are on a mission will figure out a way to crack, um, you know, some of these things. So... The convergence sort of of all of these uh what you call this of all of these different technologies um it's it's scary yeah like if i if i if i'm gonna be honest it it it, it i'm excited by the tech yes but i'm also i'm always uh fearful you know of the fact that a lot of things start off with good intentions mm. but there's always people that find ways to use it you know Oof. in the opposite direction think war yes yeah. Yes. You can just have improved soldiers. Yes. For example. And you can have prisoners of war who then be, are converted somehow into your soldiers, yes. your your army. And we've had lots of movies about that and it seems so unrealistic, but like you said, it seems unrealistic then, but slowly as the technology advances like, ah, 
Actually, those guys were onto something. But eh? you know what it also shows? That as far as the mind can conceive, we can achieve, right? I yeah. mean, this is what innovation is, that they've come up with stuff and created the technology to support it. That seemed like a big dream way yeah. back when. Okay, we're going to talk a, a little bit about things like gene editing next and genetic engineering. I've always found it fascinating that, you know, you can send your specs for what you want your baby to look like, send it to the lab, and then, wow, you've got the baby um, that looks like that. There's also, you know, new artificial wombs that have been created. I want to get into all of that after this. Your 230 Power Headlines. It's Power Lunch. Learn something new and connect with like-minded contributors in health, wealth, and relationships. This is Power Lunch with Bobby Malloy on Power 98.7. About uh, 20 minutes or so to go until 3 o'clock and we're talking about transhumanism. The overarching question was, should we embrace transhumanism? But after our first half hour with our guest, tech expert and business writer, Mudiwa Gavaza, it almost is that we have to embrace transhumanism because it is here and it is evolving at a rapid pace. So far, we've spoken about some of the positive aspects of man and machine working as one from a medical point of view. Uh, and then we've talked about a little bit of the scary stuff that potentially <laughs> could happen yep. if we have implanted technology in our subconscious or consciousness yeah. and the potential for misuse by bad actors. But I'd like to talk a little bit about this other very interesting, yes, medical, but, um, you know, contentious and controversial gene editing, genetic mm. sequencing, genetic engineering um, to advance transhumanist ideals. Can we talk a little bit about what's currently happening yeah. and what the potential future looks like? So, uh once again, we have to look back at uh, history and what we've already uh, what we've already been doing. Yeah. Right. Uh, the sequencing of the human genome was a huge, um, you know, advancement. Um, you know, when it happened, but on a basic level, we've been looking at ways of uh, developing or taking advantage of uh, better genes and making them work for us. Mm. You know, in other ways, right? Outside of the human condition. Right. In um, in farming, people have been using things like grafting, you know, for a long time. You literally take the top of one plant and the bottom of another plant, put them together, wrap them with sellotape. It used to fi it used to fascinate me when I was. OK, I see. Um, and you'd have these trees that would have the, these circles and around them where you can see the two halves. But the resulting uh, plant is is a superior plant from what it would have been in its natural in its natural state. So we've been playing around, um, you know, with, uh, with the genes on the side of farming, the food that we eat. Yes. Um, and trying by all means to get the best and trying to minimize, you know, some of the worst. So when it comes to the human condition now, um, the biggest advantage is on a couple of fronts, but the big ones tend to be around disease because we know that uh, in, a, in many cases, People are predisposed, uh, predisposed, you know, to certain, you know, to certain conditions. So, for example, um, I think around the world, it's uh, I'm not a scientist, but 
from what I know, black people are more predisposed to, you know, things like diabetes and those types of diseases as, as opposed to, you know, other races. Imagine being able to craft, you know, genes around this race of people, you know, to make them resistant, mm. you know, to developing those types of things. Mm. Um, the other one is also um, helping to helping to improve the mortality, especially of children. Um, you mentioned just now the ability to just, you know, type the type of characteristics that you want, send it off to a lab, and then, you know, uh, the possibility. I don't of, even know if it works that, that way, but <laughs> but I imagine that, you know, we're going to get to that point where yeah. you can order things. But yes, to yeah. your point. So all of that is simply to, to make us, uh, what you call this, is simply to make us better on a natural level. Yes. At least whatever we can, uh, what you call this, whatever we can, we can fix that is wrong because there are two things that that you know are uh, that happen when these advances happen you first fix the impending needs yes right which is the health risks and all that and then we get to the cosmetic level. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the fact that, you know, maybe someone wants dimples. You know, someone wants to be taller. Someone wants to be... Eye know, color. You know, um, eye color. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Right. And let's also get into another debate that we've been having for a couple of decades. Cloning. Yeah. Right. Because um, the aspect of cloning, that type of thing, has been about... How do we, two technologies, uh, two scientific developments, cloning, and also, I'm trying to remember the type of cell, stem cell. Oh, yes. You know, stem cell yes. research. And how do we grow organs, you know, outside of the human body, right? Because all we're of... We're already there. We're, no, that much yeah. is already okay. there. Okay. Because the next you know, phase of it. Because remember, all of this stuff is a, is a coming together. Yes. We're talking about, you know, uh, genes and, you know, writing what you want on this side. We're talking about the fact that we are getting to a stage where we've been growing. Uh, I think they've been able to grow things like your um, the heart of a pig, all of that stuff. Yeah. We're growing organs outside of the body. Let's bring all of this stuff together, mm. right? And say, okay, cool. Maybe puppy gets to a stage where she's like, you know what, you know, maybe as a lot of people do, you get to a certain age and things, you know, um, start deteriorating, mm. you know, as it happens naturally. And you're like, but I still want to be here for a while. So I'm going to implant my consciousness, you know, through this, uh, you know, through the machines and the AI that we're talking about. Right. I've implanted my consciousness, you know, into the cloud. Please manufacture for me a body that is like on the genetic side now on the you know growing because what's the next step after you've grown oh the organs oh my gosh my mind is blown yes you're what's growing, the next step you're growing the human being of course right? yeah of course those right? are the building blocks those are the building blocks next thing we figure out how to build the entire body my right goodness. and now you possibly have a custom pubby molloy right custom order you decided the, the 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 characteristics and all that that you want what remains to be seen is whether you need to implant yourself as a baby and then grow into a human be into like a full adult yeah. or do you just get in there at 
at at a 20-year-old body. All those are interesting thoughts, but, you know, I think, you know, that's naturally where some of these technologies might find And the risks then are kind of the population of the world because the natural cycle of life is not being gone through. Um, You know what's... Duplication, triplication, risks. Mm. You know what's ironic? Mm. When you listen to a lot of advocates of the transhumanism movement talking, Hmm. a couple of things that they're trying to address is the fact that human beings have not done the best job of taking care of the planet. Right. You know, that we've been given. Right. But if you allow this to take its natural course, obviously people are going to debate the ethics, the morals and put guidelines around it. We hope so. For all we know, there's going to be a regulator, you know, around this N-I-Casa, you know, for uh, what you call this, for how we transhuman, right? Is there for, um, for example, stem cells? Um, I do know that, you know, your your body's like the FDA, in, you know, in America, okay. those research councils. So it's under the kind of medical boards. Yeah, medical boards. Yeah. It's almost similar to the whole Neuralink thing. Okay. Um, Elon Musk being given... Uh, some green lights. Okay, so there yes, are people. There'll you know, be there, yeah, that will an that overseer will fix, that yeah. will fix that stuff. But um, coming back to the point is simply uh, is simply to say that the irony is that there's been all this stuff to say as human beings we need to improve the human condition and hopefully develop better human beings to take care of a planet. Mm. But with the way that things are going, right? If you allow everyone to just continue the way that they are, you face overcrowding, overpopulation. Um, the, the the little resources that are there, you know, are now taken over by, um, you know, even more people. Right now, there's 8 billion people. If you people to continue to just subsist, who knows? You might be sitting with 16 billion, 20 billion people um, on the planet very soon. And then, <laughs> and then coupled with that is the fact that um, too many people, too few resources, yeah. and again we're back at war. You yeah. see how this happens. And I guess that's why Yo. others are trying to say, you know, maybe we should be looking at other planets um, that we can, what you call this, that we can inhabit, yeah. because the technology so far has gotten us to a place where we began today's conversation where lifespans have already been doubled you know all of this stuff so the technology has been working you know this entire time and we've gotten to this point the last point that i just wanted to raise around uh you know this one is the fact that part of the irony is the fact that we're trying to take uh care of uh the resources but we're going to stretch them even more but secondly is the fact that Without addressing certain socioeconomic issues, mm. we may re continue to reinforce certain disparities. Because honestly speaking, everything we've spoken about today, right, at least with current circumstances, would not be available to the ordinary person. Yes. Right? Yes. It would be available to the elite, yes. to those that have the money, you know, maybe governments that want to preserve certain world leaders. This this would not be for the and once again you would um, reinforce those disparities that we have in our society. Once again, yeah. As you talk about world leaders, I think about this uh, debate that we've been having around Uta Nelson Mandela's um, ID document <laughs> and his daughter wanting to sell the ID document. Yeah. Um, and imagine then if we get into the space where 
actual humans can be preserved and downloaded and yeah. and, and resurrected yeah. uh, to a degree. Just imagine how eerie. You say we're in the weeds? How eerie. Gabelo uh, Musho says, interesting. I'd greatly appreciate a podcast on this conversation. Thumbs up, Oza. It'll be available. Um, the Wolf of Heatherview, Mutsipa Rem says, so Neuralink would get a chip into the brain of someone in a coma and such a patient may be able to converse with their family on their deathbed. That's a possibility. Yeah, it's a possibility, yeah. But I think those are all the use cases that they're trying to say, you know, to to get to a situation where a person doesn't have to be in a coma, mm. right? Because they're also trying to get, you know, to a stage where you can also help the brain to stimulate certain activities. Of course, right? of course. Yeah. Because the brain, at the end of the day, is basically it's it's the mainframe of of this of this human thing. So if you can in, so if you can do the little you know micro impulses to be able to do the telepathy we we're talking about earlier on, imagine what else you can do, right? Um, so you could revive. You could revive the brain in a coma. Yeah, because yeah. think about. Uh, People always think about the defibrillators. Yes. Right? Yes. You know, you get the clear. shock. Clear. Mm-hmm. Poof, you know, to the chest. That's basically uh, electricity that's being charged. Uh, you know, that's body. already happening. Yeah. <laughs> we had... Oh, what is her name? I'm only remembering her son's name. I'll, I'll get it up here. And brainwave technology. Mm. Where I don't think anything is being kind of... Uh, shocked into your brain or anything like that but your brain waves are being played back to you in real time carries her name and it's a uh, brain brain um brain wave i'll get the exact title and and that's already happening yeah. to be able to create new neural pathways from a mental health from an, a learning and education yeah. point of view it's already happening yeah because if you think about right in 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 a lot of cases when it comes to comas and people being in a vegetative state it's because there isn't there isn't activity that's being seen you know in the brain uh, but if we can you know do you know little shocks to just make you know hi wake up you know do 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 something mm. right the technology is likely to advance to to that level. Once again, we're in the weeds, but I'm enjoying it. Her, her um, technology is called brain harmonics. Nice. That's what it's called. So yeah. check that out. Uh, Temba, you're in Greenside. Hello. How's it? Good and you. Papi. What's up? You know, it's quite problematic. But, uh, you know, the few that run this world, you know? Mm. They own narratives, they own the means of production, they own sources of sources of information, you know? and they are the ones who are telling us that uh, there are more people on the planet you know, to save their own narratives. You know? And if you speak alternative you know, to that, we are called the conspiracy theorists. That's what is unfortunate. Because as matters stand right now, they are telling us that there are scarce resources and so forth. But they they own more wealth for themselves and they keep this wealth for themselves. But they see that because what is important, I'm reminded of this quote that says that he who owns the sources of information, the flow of information, also owns the mind that 
consume the information, whether educated or not. Mm, mm, mm. So what is the direct, quote-unquote, conspiracy theory that you're thinking in the context of this conversation uh-huh. with Timber? So, so all I'm saying to you is that we buy into narrative, even the narrative that there are more people on this planet. That's a narrative that mm. is owned by them. That information is pushed by them, but they own everything. They own the means of production. They own everything. But, I mean, haven't we done censuses that there are more people? I'm, I'm, you mean censuses? Yeah, I'm struggling. They, they, who, they objectively who, are, or are they not? If, if you say in, 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 in this planet, hey. uh, 8 billion is a lot. Okay. I mean, who's, who's determining that? Who's determining so the qualifier that, that it's a lot yes. is the narrative. Yes. No, the narrative. no, no, no. I understand. And for that matter, they yeah. own, they, they sponsor researches, the riches, they sponsor, they own, in fact, scientists because they tell scientists what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Simple. Hmm. Thank you. Very interesting. So, I mean, of course, being this deep in the weeds, we're going to have those conversations as well. And the trust factor comes into play as well. He who pays the piper calls the tune. And so those who have the means of creating this technology, utilizing this technology to a point that you made earlier on, will be able to do what they want, really, with the technology. And I think it also harkens back to, you know, what we said just now to say that, um, there's, I think the, the the comment from the gentleman, you know, highlights the fact that there's just that inherent distrust that yes. we have yes. uh, to some of these advancements to say that this is great for humanity. Yes. But because control tends to be in the hands of a few, right, when it comes to, you know, a lot of these things, mm. there's just that distrust from the ordinary person that they will actually get this benefit um that's one uh and then secondly on the narratives uh piece very important because it will be great to see what type of narratives are going to be developed you know around transhumanism right uh because obviously we've spoken about the ethics the morality all of that what are going to be the competing debates that people are going to be having because somewhere in parliament in the eu in south africa around the world people will be grappling you know, with these things. And at the end of the day, legislation and how we regulate the stuff, what we talked about earlier on, will be based on whose narrative <laughs> uh, at the end of the day wins. You know, what we think of as the greater good, what's good for society, how policymakers, you know, uh, do their frameworks, tends to come down to some extent to whatever is the prevailing narrative. What know? is a genocide? What is not a genocide? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, Cigarettes were great, mm. right? And that recommended was recommended by doctors. Exactly, recommended <laughs> by doctors. But now uh, we all know, and we're all trying to do scare tactics to get people not to, you know, not to smoke anymore. Fifty years, but you know, competing, uh, competing narratives, um, and it also just uh, highlights uh, the fact that uh, you know he who owns the narrative does have a lot of power. It's uh, always interesting in tech conversations to go back to um, education because I always think about the jobs of the future that don't Mm. exist right now. And so at some point, there's going to be a transhumanist specialist, even in the medical fraternity. So I wonder, I mean, what does this say about 
adding on, having an add-on always or base foundation of technology to all aspects of future education? So I think a couple of things are very key. Um, The types of things that we need to be teaching kids in this day and age, obviously, like you said, a lot of it doesn't exist anymore. The simple example of the fact that when I was growing up playing video games was seen as wasting time. Hmm. But today in 2024, that is a lucrative career. Esports. Yeah. Millions. You know, esports, you know, is a big thing. I think issues around um, complex thinking, especially being able to put different uh, pieces of the puzzle together. I just got goosebumps. That's so important. Right. Yeah. That big picture thinking, we need to teach that to the next generation. You know, secondly is application um not there's this cramming type of learning that is done by students a lot of the time uh, which is why you sometimes see let's say a kid who does very well at matric right not doing well at university because at university it's applied thinking and i think that you know unstructured you know applied thinking is going to be very you know important you know into the future because you sort of have to, you're building the ship as you go. Yes. So it's not like you are referring back to whatever you crammed back in the day. You need to have that unstructured thinking, being able to deal um, with huge complexities. And then I think more than anything else, just having kids being exposed, you know, to just the simple computer and connectivity, just give it to them so that they can see what what is possible. Yeah. Spark that curiosity, um, you know, and encourage, you know, that curiosity and, you know, hopefully we can have, because funny enough, I was mm. actually going to say that's the other piece of the equation to say that um, in this debate, right now there are a lot of African tech startups founders that are grappling with how does Africa have a seat at the table when it comes to AI. Mm-hmm. In the same way, without these knowledge bases that you're talking about, continents like Africa become consumers of whatever transhumanism, its narratives, whatever it's framed to be out there, we also need to have our seat at the table. And mm. a lot of that comes to having an informed public around this. All right. Uh, I think that we did very, very well. We waded in the waters. (laughs) Our Wellingtons are full of seaweed. And I'm thoroughly, thoroughly, uh, I enjoyed this conversation very, very much. How do we find you, some of your writing? How do we follow you? Okay, cool. So... For me, it's Mudiwa Gavs, you know, across all social media. So um, Instagram, Twitter, that's where I uh, happen a lot. LinkedIn, Mudiwa Gavaza. And then you can find me Business Day, Financial Mail, and then on YouTube as well. Fantastic. Mudiwa Gavaza, our tech expert in business writing, uh, talking to us about embracing transhumanism, understanding it, and where the future of technology takes us in this Text Tuesday edition on Power Lunch on the 23rd of January, 2024. Thank you, Oza. Thank you, Fano. God willing, we're back together again tomorrow between midday and three. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.